Hello everyone, this is Amarjeet and you're listening to Radically Inclusive, a podcast created to spread awareness on diversity and inclusion at workplaces and issues surrounding it. Our fourth episode is titled No Place for Cynicism or Stereotypes and you will know why when you hear my conversation with none other than Sudha Menon who is a powerhouse of inspiration and through our chat today we will be uncovering some real life examples on how people perceive differently abled and stories of how diversity and inclusion or lack of it is impacting the showbiz industry a quick intro about sudha sudha menon is an author a columnist and a writing coach she's the author of five non-fiction books fiesty at 50 legacy gifted inspirational stories of people with disabilities devi diva or she devil which is my favorite is a book about smart career women's survival guide and leading ladies a book about women who inspire india and her sixth non-fiction book is releasing soon this isn't all of it Sudha has recently ventured into an acting career and is making great waves in changing the narrative of the ad industry through her amazing work. So sit tight everyone and let's begin this interview. Thank you so much Sudha for being on this podcast uh, with me. I am really excited to talk to you and uh, thank you for giving your time to me. It's always a pleasure Amarjeet. I know how much uh, diversity and inclusion means to you and it means a whole lot to me as well and so it's always uh, you know pleasure to talk to you. So then let's get uh, right into it. I just want to know what does diversity and inclusion mean to you as an author and now you are an actor and a model as well. So mm-hmm. uh, how does it impact you as an author and how have you expressed your views through your writings? So for me diversity and inclusion till I was in about my um, mid 40s diversity and inclusion was a word that i heard over the years i've been hearing this now more than uh, when i was in my 20s and 30s when this word did not mean much because we did live uh, in a world which was dominated completely by men and so right. diversity and inclusion was not even a concept but now i think in the last um, 10 15 years because i was a business journalist uh, for the longest time i've been hearing this in corporate houses and from the mouths of business leaders um, especially women business leaders because that i think that was that was that group of people who were really hit by uh, the fact that diversity and inclusion did not matter in indian work uh, places for the longest time right um, but but in my own little way i think i experienced uh, what lack of diversity and inclusion means to a human being if you purely just put the human being at the core of this it means i always like to go back and think about the time when i was a 7 year old and then a 10 year old and a 13 year old and i was like the shyest most reclusive person you could possibly know i i did not have friends i could barely uh, make conversation with uh, anybody i was so tongue tied and so shy that i was i lived in a singularly friendless solitary kind of ex- experience and the more reclusive and shy i became the more friendless i became and i was not part of any of those when you are children when you are when you are children and then later when you are adolescents you have groups of friends and you hang out together and you right. 
formed bonds, bonds of friendship, and you have so much fun. You learn from those groups, Correct. and I did not have any of that. And I was the saddest child for the longest time because I was not included. Because I was shy, I was not included. Because because I did not know to reach out and make friends, I was not included. So I know today when I look back that if just one person had reached out to me and said, hey, you're hanging around alone and would you like to join us? We are going yeah. out to play. Right. My life would have been much different, but it was not because, because that's how people are. People don't uh, reach out. These right. days it's different. Right. But so I know how important it is to include people in whatever it is in your social group at the workplace wherever but inclusion is such a necessity i remember there was this child there was this boy in my class this must have been when i was about 12 or 13 mm -hmm. and i still remember his name he, his name was atul mm -hmm. and um, i didn't know what was the problem with him but uh, he came to school his mother brought him to school every day and she would lift him and come and put him uh, on the school at his desk okay. and um, Atul did not have any friends because um, I'm not sure it was polio but I do remember sitting all by himself on his school desk in the class he didn't have any friends and we all went out during uh, lunch hour to play we went for PT class and they mm -hmm. but Atul didn't have any of that he was brought to class put on his uh, desk uh, he was a brilliant guy. He was very good in his studies, but he was totally friendless. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to him later. I don't have a memory, but I do remember that sometimes I would think that I'm like him because I don't have any friends either. You know, I had one and a half friends and I clung on to them because I knew that if they went away too, my life would be like totally solitary. So it is important. And it is, uh, look at the coincidence. So I remember feeling that touched by Atul's situation in life. And then when I was when I was nearing my 50s, sometime when I was 48 or 49, I wrote this beautiful book. Pardon me for saying it's beautiful, but it is one of the most transformative journeys I have ever undertaken. I wrote this book called Gifted. Mm -hmm. I co-authored it with a very dear friend uh, right. called VR Firoz, mm -hmm. uh, who, was, uh, who was at that point the MD of SAP uh, mm -hmm. in India. Right. And he actually came to launch my, my book, Legacy, mm -hmm. in Bangalore. And at the end of it, he came to me and said, look, you write so well. And you write, what you write touches the heart. Correct. So would you consider a, writing a book about the lives of people with disability? Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and said, Firoz, I've never thought about it. But now that you are saying this, I'm up for it and let's do it. And that was really the time I, that one year, one and a half years that I spent, I traveled to different cities uh, for one and a half years, meeting people with, with different types of disability, but people who were leading amazing, empowered, very fulfilled lives with their disability uh, not playing a role at all. Like when I met them, like the first few times I met people with some sort of, some differently able person, I would not know how to deal with that because right. our society was a society, it continues to be a society where we don't come across people with disability. Right. Yeah. If you know what I mean, because we have not given them enough ways to include, we have not included them. And once I met a person 
he's on a wheelchair but he is one of the most empowered young men i know he works in an it company but when i saw him i didn't know i didn't know how to behave i didn't know whether i should shake hands with him i didn't know whether i should help him from his wheelchair onto a chair when we met at a restaurant that is the kind of world we we don't even know anything about their life in terms of the awareness i totally agree to the point that we've come a long way as a society absolutely so from the time of being in the unknown to then mm-hmm. trying to understand how a different lives are and how we need Absolutely. to be inclusive and then roles such as you and people who mm-hmm. played that kind of role to create that awareness was so important for us to reach at a place right now and then i met then i met another young woman who is visually impaired she is she was born she was not born blind she turned black she lost her vision when she was 4 or 5 or something she okay. runs a very large ngo in kerala mm-hmm. and she is a sort after young woman who carries the word about diversity and inclusion uh, okay. to to the world she yeah. does uh, skydiving she does uh, high speed motor driving she does you know unbelievable things wow. and she teaches uh, the blind right. to get on with their life without making without having their uh, uh, disability as a stumbling block so for me disability and for me diversity and inclusion all of this are words which are now real and words which um, are very relevant today I, like i will never ever think of a, a differently abled person as a disabled person now i hate using the word disability now because i know that it is not this it is they are hugely empowered absolutely stop the cynicism about their abilities true very true and it's so good to hear that they have they have the abilities like you rightly mentioned and we are the ones then yes. who are who are, who are outsiders and who are absolutely you know, think differently because yes everything has to be turned into normal because that's that's yes. the ideal world that yeah. we want to live in to be inclusive and normal is what we look at for them we are exactly. not normal exactly. isn't it it's is how you are looking at them or how we are looking at a certain thing very true sudha so i'm going to change gears and talk about your uh, recent uh, venture into the acting industry in the context of acting industry mm-hmm. which is so vast and huge and we do know mm-hmm. that you know there is tremendous talent around absolutely How do newcomers feel when they enter this industry is it even inclusive or are there differences uh, related to diversity if yes then what are some of the ways one can you know, these out i i actually entered this field about 4 months before the lockdown happened in india okay. so it was if we had the lockdown in march 2020 did my first ad i i did my first ad uh, in october uh, ni- 2019 okay and and it look at the coincidence the ad was for uh, facebook and it was an ad by dow the brand uh, dow the, the soap guys so it was a beautiful thumb series thumb stopper series for facebook which which went on to win several awards so it was i was playing the mother of a girl who a little girl who had a giant stain kind of pigmentation on her uh, face and how it destroyed her self esteem Hmm. and how i am telling her that this does not matter what matters is who you are not how you look like so so my my first uh, my first step into uh, show business was as a model for this in this 
and I think it set the tone in some way. So all the ads that I have played till now are, for whatever reason, the roles I'm playing are of very empowered women. Correct. And uh, women who are uh, like doing different things, right. like pushing the border and walking uh, on solitary paths, but still... Yes. I also make sure that I do that kind of roles. I do believe that if you have a say, then you should exercise that voice and say, no, this I don't believe in. A lot of the roles that come to me are of women who, or, or roles that I don't believe in. Roles that uh, that portray women as weak and uh, women who work against other women. I'm not going to do those roles because I think women should support other women. And that's how we all grow. I have done several big brands and several very empowered roles. But I must tell you that it doesn't cease to annoy me or cease to surprise me about how many stereotypes there exist about women. The ad industry all over the world uh, look at women through a sort of unreal filter. Every woman who has to go on screen has to be fair. Every woman who goes on screen has to be pretty. Every woman who goes on screen has to be slim. Hmm. And um, there are times when I, we are such an ageist society. And I think this is all over the world. It's not just, uh, um, of course, there are people like Meryl Streep and they yeah. get the most fantastic roles. Right. And their age doesn't play a role at all but by and large show business is very not inclusive very ageist a lot of stereotypes exist about there are people there are casting agents who will sometimes call me and say there is this brilliant role Hmm. Um, we would like you to play this but it's an it's a role for an old type of person so then how old Right. So they'd say, so 40 is considered old. Right. You know, so we are looking at an industry mm-hmm. where 40 is considered old. And the icing on the cake is, of course, that if you're 40, then you have to have white hair. You have to have, I, I oftentimes I get roles where I say, will you consider putting some white on your hair? We'll have add a few wrinkles on your forehead. I say, at 54, I'm not that. And so I'm not going to play that. Right. And I will say that, look, you have to change the narrative. Exactly. You can't, like, we live, I said, look, look around you. Which 40-year-old is living that life now? Exactly. You know, at, at 70, women are rocking the world. Women are doing so many different things in their lives. And you're still stuck in this time warp and True. saying that at 40, women are retired and then they're at home sitting solitarily by the window and looking out, waiting for the family to come home so you can cook right. dinner for them. This is what the this is what the industry is doing, hmm. and um, many times when it is it's amazing. Like I have done two or three very good ads for big brands where the woman is the director, where a woman is the scriptwriter, and it is amazing how much a woman who is behind the camera can change the narrative. Oh, that so when must a woman be very does that, right? Having a woman absolutely. think in a very different way than person because she knows what is the real deal. While right. the rest of the ads are being the script is being written by a 17-year-old who has no idea about what life is for a woman at 40 or 50 or right. Uh, right. The industry sure. like, like and we are seeing some change in media, and there is the genre of movies which are more connected to the real world, yes. and that's all coming up. And we only hope that others also get to catch up soon. <laughs> yes. So, like I said, those kind of movies are coming out are are either being directed or being written by women. Right. That is important. So, sure. one part of the entertainment industry is growing, while that is just things like 
just around uh, women's day before that the entire industry goes into a flap saying oh we have to do women's day so every brand wants to do women's day yeah. uh, promotion Correct. so i got lots of calls uh, for uh, various products okay and it is it is like outrageous so it is why don't you gift your wife a washing machine for women's day why don't you uh, Uh, buy her a new mixer or why don't you buy her a microwave what is that what are you portraying and and then you say that you're a brand, big brand and that you're an established brand but this is how you're looking at a woman a woman has to be just doing the washing and the cleaning and the cooking yeah yeah very stereotypical and i we can only hope that this this more awareness and this more opportunities like yourself and people women who are directors and writers they get that opportunity to change that narrative and yes so which is why when you spoke about diversity and inclusion and all right. of that which is why i write the kind of books i write. it is it's many people think that i consciously go out and write those books but i think my own experience as a young woman trying to uh, establish myself in a field like journalism was my first calling it is it's one of my most i'm still so passionate about it but sure. when i became a journalist at 21 there were just a handful of women there and it was very difficult because journalism in the late 80s early 90s was real journalism in the in the real true sense of the word there was no sitting sitting at your office desk and making a call and talking to somebody and making a story out of it we had to be out on the field every single day and remember this was this was the years where there was no laptops no internet hmm. no mobile phones nothing you yeah. slogged it out you went traveled one and a half two hours to wherever you had to go meet the person come back to your office hmm. type those stories and go home right. and those were the times also when i i then became a very young mother hmm. and then i would leave my little baby at uh, home with my mother who hmm. looked after my child Correct. and I remember covering the Bombay riots, you know, the terror attacks in Bombay, and sure. all of that. And oftentimes, I would think, I have a child at home. What if I? What's a? What if something happens to me? Hmm. And who will look after my child? But those are not even concerns then, because you're so passionate about your job, Correct. and you want to prove yourself, right. and you don't want. anybody to ever say that oh she is a woman and so she can't go oh she has she is she has a child so she didn't do this she didn't do this project she didn't do this assignment i never wanted all of that to be a blot on my career like i was ready to do everything and then when i became a business journalist i started coming in touch with all these women leaders who really empowered women and women completely in charge of their lives and of the organizations that they headed Amazing. and i would often sit across the table from them uh, and talk to them about their lives and i would sure. always wonder what is it that they are doing mm-hmm. that i can learn mm-hmm. and become like them why am i flap with this career all the time and i remember uh, your book devi diva or she devil and that was my yes. all time favorite which is a book on exploration of complex issues faced by you yes. know indian women of the workplaces yes uh, all the things that we talked about the gender perceptions glass ceiling leadership challenges yes. the labels that was, women get yes how was your experience writing that book and then talking to these women i think i learned so much like spent two years of my life just tracking the lives of these women talking to them sitting with them and understanding their journeys mm-hmm. and at every meeting i would leave every meeting with 
so many new insights into how we can empower ourselves and lead like fulfilled joyous lives and i at every meeting i would ask them what were their survival tips for surviving for surviving the corporate jungle for surviving the workplace which unfortunately even today is uh, ruled by predominantly by men right and they all had their little black book tips and strategies oh, and yeah. best practices right. behavioral right. practices absolutely what kind of attitudes they you need to actually survive and lead a balanced uh, life right. so yeah it was amazing i remember so well meeting boxing champion americom and i met her uh, when she was in my city and she was she was practicing for she was training for the london olympics mm-hmm. and i remember i went to meet her in the hotel she was staying and she came home she would she came home tired and she looked like she didn't have a you know an ounce of energy to talk to me okay. but she came straight from 9 hours of training mm-hmm. and she sat and we sat in a in the cafe in the restaurant and then she you know it was it was an amazing conversation hearing listening to her talk about how at every stage in her life there was gender cynicism there was disbelief there were all this she grew up in a little village uh, and so she actually stood shoulder to shoulder with her father in in knee deep water in the fields so that they could you know they they, they had no land of their own so they worked in somebody else's land so they were like daily wage laborers Right. and she says she dreamt even then as a as a child of 7 or 8 she dreamt of becoming a, a boxer and she says when the village men came to realize that she had this dream they would the boys they would make fun of her saying but you can't become a boxer you are a girl yeah and she would say do you see me every day standing with my father and working in the field that is back breaking work and if i can't do that then what is to prevent me from becoming a boxer that is what has gender to do with it and they laughed at her and said that you'll never become one so she secretly went and the village boxing coach hmm. started giving her lessons when he realized how passionate she was about this right. and then slowly she started the coach realized she was highly talented and so he started giving her opportunities and then she became a district level uh, boxing champ and even then she became a young woman and they said that you can't become a boxing champ you can't become a boxer because hmm. nobody will marry a woman boxer who will want to be married to a woman boxer remember that was not even a recognized olympic sport for the longest time it's only recently become a olympic sport right. so it was so it was kind of stigma and they said nobody will marry you because you won't have children hmm. because you go through so much in your body when you're boxing she right. says i learned to cut out the disbelief i learned to cut out the negativity and i learned that this was my dream and that if i didn't believe in myself nobody would yeah. and then she became a national champ then she became an international champ she got married to her closest friend and she says when i went to his village the entire village almost ostracized me socially because they just couldn't understand a woman who is so successful in a sport which is like so unknown and so not you know right. woman like right and she right. says that there was so much cynicism that she says that for the longest time the next next few months next year she said i wanted to give up and i would often cry at home and say that i don't want to do it i want to give it up because i can't deal with this kind of situation where there is nobody there is nobody in the village who is talking to me and right. she says 
but for my father but for my father in law and my husband mm-hmm. i would have left this sport at that time but they said your job is not to listen to these voices your job is to wake up every morning go to the boxing ring and win honors for yourself and for your country and she says that gave me the wings to do what i wanted to do so the book is full of survival tips things that you can learn from the lives for me it was totally transformative and now i i have a daughter who's growing up and right. she is a communications graduate and okay. everybody expected that she would like me follow and take up a job in the media do something in the sure. media but she sure. says mom i want to become a chef right and that is what i want to do and i have no other dream this is my one big dream Correct. and i said you do exactly what you want so long as you knew know that it is hard work it is tough you will have almost no social life because when everybody else have their holidays you will be in the kitchen cooking and making okay. cakes and dessert but i tell her read the read this book and mm-hmm. she reads she reads the kind of books i write and she says mom otherwise i would never have read it but mm-hmm. because you come back home and talk to me about the stories of these women i read right. this book and she says it is helping me on days when i feel like i can't do this anymore and and there are a lot of cynicism there are lots of my friends a lot of people who say that when she can have a job somewhere yeah. why is she is an entrepreneur she is the first entrepreneur in my family sure and she said i went to look at the blur right. to study pastry sure not to work in a restaurant or a euro big chain hotel i did that because i wanted to become an entrepreneur and give employment to people i became an entrepreneur to create something of value for myself and so yeah. i think these things she learned because i was showing her the way or she was in some way learning from right. all the stories of the women i told her absolutely and and it's so inspiring to hear all this sudha because i think uh, we all need these stories to absolutely. get inspired from and also at the same time we need to create that kind of a allyship and that kind of a support system in place so absolutely. that so courage people who even have an ounce of doubt self you just need that kind of a little portion that encouraging role and all of us have a role to play as friends as colleagues as family members to encourage people around us to i think one of the one of the biggest things that we can do for other women is to believe their stories to buy into their ideas to listen to them and then give them a helping hand and to mentor them there is that famous uh, saying that there is a special place in hell for women do- who don't help another woman yes it's important to create that kind of a allyship and create opportunities for younger women and younger folks and and often times it's for them also to take up advantage of mentorship absolutely okay. part of the thing that i did as both as both as just a ordinary woman like all of us and also as a writer was to start when i started when i wrote my first book leading ladies women who inspire india i went on this big book tour and wherever i went i would meet people who would say you write so well and will you teach us to write hmm. and when that had happened enough times i started what is possibly India's first writing workshop called yes. Get Writing. Yes, and um, it has been an amazing journey yeah. because to be able to be to be in a position where you can help somebody to give words to their dreams, to to their stories is it gives great joy. It has been one of the most joyous things I have done. And about five years ago, I started an offshoot of this called Writing with Women. 
Right. Because I realized that in my writing workshops, in mixed group writing workshops, women often are not comfortable enough to, they would write with me enthusiastically, but also my writing workshop also involves uh, sharing of the stories, sharing of what they have written. And many a time I, would, I discovered that women are not confident or they are embarrassed or they don't want really to share what they have written in a mixed group. They would linger back and then say, say I wrote this, would you like to read it? And I'll say, why didn't you read it in class? And one of them would say that, oh, you know, I was not comfortable sharing the story when there were so many men. And so I realized that in every space, in every corner of the universe that we live in, women have no space or a safe haven to voice their opinions, to express themselves, to tell their stories. In real life, as in, in outside of the workplace, also women's voices are not often sought or often they don't have the confidence to, to stand up. up and say, I believe this, or this happened to me. If you read the newspapers and if you watch television, you know how it is that women who speak out are often not well accepted. So I said, this here is a gap that needs to be fixed. And I started writing with women. And it has been such a fulfilling kind of journey for me because over the last few years, so many, so there have been women CEOs and founders of businesses and Women from across all spaces of life have written with me and right. the stories that I've said, there is so much to learn from those stories because from their stories, when women write their stories, they don't just write about themselves. Through their stories about gender, uh, gender dynamic, about her specific place in that uh, society, about what stage in society's development we are actually, because these are not women uh, who are unlettered. These are women like who are, you and me right. who are writing these real stories and you, right. you're sometimes shocked to know this is actually happening and right. we don't know about it. Right. And you exactly. just give a platform to them to stand up and talk about their stories is so empowering for them that somebody that she is in amongst a group of women who will understand and empathize uh, and uh, they bond over their stories. And I clearly, I was a part of one of your writing workshops. Yes. It was the first one uh, done in Pune and uh, very inspiring. And I think, as you rightly mentioned, it's an opportunity uh, for women to learn from each other's stories mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. have that confidence to share, which otherwise they wouldn't. And I have seen there have been like self-discoveries as well that comes Absolutely. as workshops that, oh, I can really do this. I never thought yes. about this. Absolutely. The confidence that they get from just standing up and reading what they have written and owning up to an idea that they have put on paper is hugely empowering. And I want to tell you, Amarjit, that first lot of people who wrote with me, you are one of them, yes. they are still in touch. So for women, it is also a way they are making friendships because women often don't have time for cultivating friendships because they think that their job is to finish everything they have at their workplace and then head back straight home so there is no socializing there is no connecting there is no forming of there's no networking of any kind yeah i'm so happy and i do not regret even a second that i signed up for that workshop and <laughs> this is Thank the you. that we are talking right now 
And there's so much to cover. And I, I know you have so much to share, uh, Sudha. You're like a powerhouse of inspiration, I would say, on uh, you know Thank these you. topics. And I could just go on and on for an entire day. Uh, <laughs> I just want to also touch upon your personal life. I know you mm-hmm. talked about your daughter. We all know how this entire pandemic brought uh, a lot of stress mm-hmm. and mental uh, issues. Yeah. But focusing on the positives of it, um, mm-hmm. I just want to share, you know, ask you, what were some of the biggest takeaways of last year that you want to share from your personal mm-hmm. life and some you know, certain things that you're you're grateful for that happened uh, to you? So much learning has happened in the last year for me. The beginning, of course, the first few months, I think all of us were trying to grapple with what was a very difficult uh, situation. Right. Uh, for me, the biggest, for me, the biggest challenge was just being lockdown at home because I have my family says you have wheels on your feet so you're all the time up and about so I think that that few months of lockdown was the first time in the longest time that I had been at home uh, for more than a month you know so that was really challenging for me to not be able to go out and meet people and after a few months of whining about that I decided okay I'm stuck at home so I might as well use this time for something so I did so many things that I've always wanted to do. Like, for instance, I'm, I was not known for being anything good in the kitchen at all. Other than my cup of tea, I wouldn't enter the kitchen ever because one, because I was lazy and two, because I was always out and about and so never got the time to be. So I, I spent every evening I was cooking and the more I cooked the more I realized it. I've been telling myself that I'm no good at it. But I realized like everything else you can draw joy from the smallest thing and making that perfect little one dish would give me so much joy. Right. And I realized that sure. things don't often pan out like you want to. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then you just learn to enjoy what you have. So I learned patience. I learned that you can make something good out of nothing at all. And so I finished what I usually take about 18 months to write a book, but in the four months of the lockdown, I wrote an entire book. Wow. That is my sixth nonfiction book and it's okay. under publication just now. Sure. It was just easy because you're not wasting time traveling. You're not wasting time sitting around in airports trying to catch a flight. You have no other distraction. So you're just at home and you and if you don't want to be bored to death, uh, you, can, you can only watch so much television. True. So then what? So then I said, I'm going to finish this book. And this book had been something in my, it had been in my mind for the longest time, but I just was not finding it in me to sit down and start writing. So I wrote that book and and so many other things. Like I have always suffered from this fear of doing anything online courses. Like for a long time in my family, everybody has been telling me that your get writing workshops can also go online. So you don't have to spend so much time traveling to cities and holding. It's it's time consuming and it's expensive to go to another city, stay in a hotel, conduct the class and come back. True. During the pandemic, I had I held several workshops, hmm. all of them online. I mastered Zoom. And you know, so it is again this thing that you are just giving yourself this message yes. that you can't do it. But when your back is against the wall, you True. learn things. If yeah. you have to survive, you learn new things. True. So I learned a whole lot of those things. Now my workshops are almost entirely online. Okay. I held several writing workshops for corporate houses who were at that point looking for things to do for their workforce to keep up their morale. 
So I had my speaking sessions for them. And I also learned during this um, uh, pandemic and during the lockdown, uh, Amarjit, that you can do with so little in life. Mm -hmm. Like all of us on this mad chase of clothes and more clothes and handbags and shoes and cars and larger homes. Now I'm not ever going to ask in God for a larger home because a larger home is that much more work to be done when you're stuck at home. True. And true. I have this entire wardrobe full of clothes. None of, we've all been living in our pajamas, isn't it? Right. It, it taught us, it taught me that you don't need any of this. You, you need, you can survive with very little Right. And uh, true, very true. And and to add to that, if there's only one thing this pandemic year has taught us is to focus on relationships, to absolutely focus on people who are close to you, making sure mm -hmm. you know you are checking upon them, parents who are living yeah. away from you, keeping a tab yes. on them, and just making sure that you are you're there for your family and your friends. I, I didn't see my mother for almost a year. I didn't see my daughter for almost a year, but I decided that. And, and I learned that they were being looked after by somebody else. So there are always people who are helping out. And I spent, all, my husband and I decided that to the entire, you know, all of the lockdown in this gated community that I live in, there are so many seniors living without their children. The children are all abroad working and, and they were not, uh, the seniors are not allowed to go out at all. So my husband and I decided that every morning we would say, when we were allowed to go out to do our little grocery shopping, we were doing that 10 couples, 10, 12, 15, how many ever seniors were in the society who needed help? Right. Uh, we were shopping for them. Mm -hmm. we, we were doing all the things that otherwise, maybe if they had their families with them, the families would do. But I just, we just taught ourselves to say that they are friends, but now they're also family and we need to do that for them because there is nobody else to do these things for them. So compassion, my sister who's, uh, my sister lives in Mumbai and she lives on a, at the intersection of an arterial road that uh, goes from Mumbai to, to wherever. And this was in the, in the, at the peak of the migrant crisis in Mumbai, you must have read about it. Yes. Like lakhs of migrants from Mumbai going back to their villages, their walking, you know, many of them without slippers even right. on their feet. Right. So my sister, who, who who was a very generous heart, she right. lives in this huge gated complex with some 800 apartments. Sure. And she started cooking meals for these migrant workers. And then soon she got roped in her friends and other families in the society. And every day they would stand by their gate. And as the migrants passed by, they would hand out medicines and they would hand out uh, sandals and they would hand out caps and umbrellas and food packets right. and she says that I felt such a sense of peace mm -hmm. with myself right. and she says I know that this is the purpose of our lives our, the purpose of our lives is not to earn money and become a cog in the wheel somewhere right. the purpose of our life is to bring happiness and to be of help to other people so yeah. I think that is I learned from my younger she's my kid sister but I learned so much from her during that crisis you know that you have to be, as human beings, we have to reach out to each other and not live in our ivory towers and think, oh, we have all our uh, supplies for the year or for the week and we don't have to go bother now. That's not how to live life. True. That's Very what true. I learned. Yes. I think like consider yourself lucky if you're in a position to help somebody. And even Absolutely. if you are, you're, you're not, do as much as you can in your capacity to help the people. Absolutely. Whatever, whatever you do. 
true, true. I cannot wait to read this book that is soon going to be launched. Thank you so much. Uh, all the stories have been nothing but only inspirational for all of us to learn from. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me over. I hope it is of use to all the people who would uh, listen to this and thank you for asking me those questions which are so relevant and I think it is important for people to listen to real life examples and to learn from them. So thanks for allowing me the platform. Thank, thank you so much Amar. All right, that was Sudha Menon, everyone, pouring her heart out in this episode through her stories and leaving us nothing but inspired. Key takeaway for me is that there is so much to be done in various industries in creating an awareness about inclusion and belongingness that every effort seems small, but we know it is equally important if we have to change the narrative. Thanks for listening to this talk and please leave your feedback to continue to make this series informative. This is Amarjeet signing out. Be radically inclusive and stay safe.